Are you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. All right. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. I'm recording on a Friday and as much as I love the week, there is something so good about Friday. I think it's just a great day to reflect on how amazing the week was. Uh, there's always some excitement about taking a tiny break at times uh, on the weekend. And uh, so that's me. Um, but more importantly, I have uh, Kyle Elliott with me. He's a career and life coach. And we were just talking offline, which was so funny. Um, other than very brief inter or, uh, conversation online, we haven't ever talked before. So Kyle, I'm stoked to have some conversation with you today and dig into what it means to be a career and life coach, uh, find out why you love Disneyland so much, and probably a whole bunch of other stuff. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. So um, <clears throat> right into, I guess, title is, is always interesting for me, especially in the professional coaching space, because um, for people that are watching on video, you're going to see me say it's about this wide, right? It's just like there's a million different things that people do. And uh, as it relates to coaching, even inside of something like career and life coaching. So what is it that like you're really passionate about? What do you tell people that you are all about as it relates to that kind of uh, area of coaching? Yeah, so I help people find jobs they love. So a lot of people come to me because they're stuck and they don't know how to find a job. So I help them identify what's unique and different about them. I call it helping them identify and own their fabulousness. So really they can achieve the impossible. For a lot of my clients, they want to work at Facebook, Amazon, um, Apple, Netflix, Google, and they're like, oh, I don't know how to do this. Why would they want me over the other 10,000 or 50,000 applicants that these companies get every week? And I help them identify what's unique about them and land those jobs. That's what I really love is helping people uncover their secret sauce, their zone of genius, owning it, and then learning how to brand and market themselves to these big companies. And, and, and where did that come from? I mean, I don't think that, you know, anybody ever like, you know, gets to middle school, high school, and they're like, oh, you know what, I would really love to be a career in life coach. And um, so what was it that, you know, that really was kind of that turning point for you? Yeah, so I am a 100% accidental entrepreneur, career coach. I never <laughs> wanted to run a business. Even the month before I left to run my business full time, I renewed my contract at work for another year. And then the following month, I went into my boss and was like, oops, um, actually, I don't want to renew this contract. Let's undo that. <laughs> but I really started <laughs> on Fiverr. It was a side hustle. I charged five bucks to review resumes. No way. Files. Yeah, literally $5. And now I charge like 100 times that to review a resume. So it really, though, just started as this need to fuel my Starbucks addiction. We have looks in your campus. <laughs> I loved coffee. To be honest, um, we had a subway on campus that had pizza, which was really good. Um, and that's where it started. I was good at writing. I was good at giving people feedback and advice. I had had a lot of jobs. So I was like, well, let me go on Fiverr and make some money. And then over time, it kept growing through Fiverr, mm. word of mouth. Surprisingly, I found a lot of clients on Craigslist. And I just kept growing. Over time, there aren't a lot of 20-something-year-olds as career coaches, especially those who are specializing in Silicon Valley, this unique high-tech space where there's a lot of competition. And then it just kept growing, and I said, hmm, maybe this is more than a side hustle. Maybe it's a small business. 
maybe there's a special need I can fulfill. And then a few years ago, I decided to make the leap to doing it full time. And it's been amazing that people have been able to help find jobs. Okay, so <clears throat> there was many things right there that I'm going to try and remember to touch back on. But one thing you said, so I think you just turned 30, right? I'm 27. I'm 27 right oh, now. Oh, 27. Okay, so not even close. Okay, so that has to be this ridiculous barrier for some people in the beginning. I mean, I, even for me, I'm 41, and I'll step into a business uh, to do some consult, uh, coaching at the executive level, um, or uh, I'm working just on an organization's uh, whole organizational process, and people look at me and they're like, you are way too young to be in my face. So, like, is that a barrier uh, being because you look very young which is fantastic um you are young and so yeah is that a barrier and then if so like you know uh, how does that typically like work itself out yeah um it's one of the most common questions i get most of my clients are senior managers executives are in their 40s 50s 60s making multi six figures seven figures and the first question they ask is how old are you and i tell them they say oh my gosh you're younger than my children <laughs> so it's such a common question and then they realize i know what i'm talking about and they realize i was a referral so there's something good that i did to help their executive peers or their friends and then they realize i'm different than the other three four five coaches they've talked to and I'm different. They could work with these other people who are similar, who have had the same path, have the same certifications and trainings, or they can work with me and get some insight and perspective they won't find anywhere else. So I worked with a coach and what some of his advice was to put people in either the hell yes or hell no camp. You can be just like everyone else and I can give you a list of a hundred other coaches if that's what you're looking for, or you can come work with me and I provide this unique perspective. I know Silicon Valley inside out. I know the high tech space. Here's a list of a thousand plus clients I've worked with to help them find jobs. Here's what I'm good at. So if you're looking mm -hmm. for someone who's had that 20 year executive career, that's not me, or here's what I can offer as a track record of success. And then usually people are like, okay, let's work together. Uh, well, and, and I think that's something that, which obviously you're, I, I know again, like, you know, from observation, listening to you talk right now, like you are really big about helping people, um, find what's unique inside of them. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and putting that forward. So in a world of social where we get to put on any face we want, I feel like you do such a fantastic job. I mean, so we interact um, on LinkedIn. And then I think through the Forbes coaches council, mm -hmm. which sometimes that's through the Facebook group. Other times that's now through their forum. And it is just, and, and maybe this is just an accolade for you, but like, it is just so fantastic for me to see like the way that your personality just bleeds through, like the way you care about people, the way that you encourage and support people. Like, <clears throat> you know, when, when, when somebody loses a job, um, or when they're trying to find a new job. I mean, that's just such a stressful, crazy time to be in. And so to be able to go to somebody like you, like if I was ever in that position, like I would want somebody like you, like you just make me feel good by just watching you do the things you do. So, I mean, I think that that's important. So how did, how did, how did you develop that? I mean, obviously like one part of it is just, that's who you are and that's inside of you, but how did you start um, like putting that to the front and allowing people to see who you were. And um, yeah, so how, how did that look for you? 
Yeah, I think part of that is that I'm not that executive, going back to earlier and what sets me apart is I'm not that executive. So I'm not coming at them and saying, here's what I did during my 20 year executive career and giving people advice. Mm -hmm. I think inexperienced coaches give advice. That's their first response is here's what I would do. Here's what you should do. And instead recognizing my clients are executives and they are experts. They're really good at what they do. They've managed multi-billion dollar companies. They sometimes work on the C-suite at trillion dollar companies. So they're amazing at what they do. And they're not coming to me for advice. They're coming to me as a sounding board. They're coming for someone to ask difficult questions and they need someone to listen. They oftentimes have no one in their life who truly listens to them, who truly hears them, who truly sees them. I think that's the key is I prioritize my client, not my own ego. So I think that just helps and really refining those listening skills has been helpful for me and saying, okay, here's what I'm hearing you say. Here's what you've done before, what's been helpful for you, what hasn't been helpful before. And then here's the options you have and what you're thinking about those options. And then I think another part of it is I've just had really amazing parents who have been supportive of me, mm. who've really listened to me, who've been there for me. And I've recognized by talking with so many of my clients that a lot of people just don't have those role models or they haven't been listened to before. So they come to me and they just share their entire stories because no one's ever listened to them before. So sometimes the best thing I can say to a client is nothing other than just sitting mm. there with them with their tears, with their feelings, with their emotions, and just being there. Because so few times in our lives are we able to just be present with someone and be heard and seen and listened to. So I think that's mm. something that's really key because I'm not immediately responding with advice or saying, here's what you should do. Because they have a million other executive peers they can turn to, their colleagues, their mentors. They're not coming to me for that. I'm not the expert. I'm not a former CFO. They can go to someone else for that. They're coming for someone to help them look inside themselves. Yeah. 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 So that, that's a, that's a really good um, piece of advice. Uh, even though Kyle said, don't give advice uh, right out of the gate, but that's a really good piece of advice for anybody listening. I mean, I think whether you're a coach or whether you are just, you know, a, a concerned friend, I think that, you know, far too often, and I know it comes from a place of good intention, but when somebody comes to us and they're struggling, they're hurting, they have a problem, they have a challenge, we immediately want to help them solve that problem. And so we offer some sort of advice. And I think, as you said, being able to just sit there and listen and allow it to soak in and allow people to be heard can be such a powerful step for them. And they start to feel uh, like people are caring again, especially as an executive, you know, as you're talking about that, that's a dark place to be in, right? Very, um, um, uh, you know, very lonely a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, there's just not a lot there for them. Um, so I love that you said that. And you said something in there, and I was going to ask about this later because, <clears throat> again, I've, I've noticed this happen. So you mentioned your parents. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess, again, outside observer looking in, I've watched you post pictures a couple of times of you spending time um, with your parents, Disneyland. I actually think there was one just recently or something yeah. like that. And maybe it was a flashback or maybe it was just recently. And so uh, what was that relationship like growing up? Or was there some pivotal moment? Like how did they invest into you to get you to a place where you became the person that first listens, Stephen Covey says, seek first to understand and then be understood. Yep. Like, so oh, yeah. what was that for you? Um, 
I realize I've just always had supportive parents, or I realize now that I've always had supportive parents mm -hmm. as I reflect back, as I talk to so many people that they don't have those relationships with their parents. And, and they were just here last weekend. We went on a wine and cheese tour, um, or a wine and cheese tasting after a tour at a winery that was fun. And as I reflect back, especially through a lot of therapy, I recognize I just have these amazing supportive mm -hmm. parents who have listened to me. And they've also allowed me to identify and own my fabulousness. It's, it wasn't in those words, but they said, okay, if you want to go try that and do it. Um, and they've allowed me to fail. And then they've lifted me up when that happened and just been relentlessly supportive. I think a lot of parents say, oh, I'll let you do anything you want. And then mm -hmm. someone's like, oh, I want to go join the army. And they're like, okay, anything but that. And they say, well, I'll let you do anything you want to do. Oh, I want to go start a business. Okay, anything but that. Mm -hmm. So they're relentlessly supportive but not really. And then there's unconditional love, except these five conditions. And I realized my parents really do unconditionally love me and relentlessly support me. And it's so mm. rare. So I'm so thankful for that. And it's yeah. been something they've done their whole lives. And now I'm really realizing that. And then I'm providing that. I'm not a parent for my clients, but I'm providing that relentless support and believing in my clients. I have a lot of clients mm. that will message me or text me and say, oh my gosh, Kyle, you're believing in me. I realize that's the one thing I needed is for someone to believe in me. And now I'm believing in myself and I've never believed I could do this before. Everyone said, oh, go apply for any job. And then I say Facebook. Okay, maybe not Facebook. That's too big for you. Mm. And I'm like, no, let's go for Facebook. Let's do it. And then they get jobs there and they're like, why didn't I believe in myself sooner? Mm. So... Um unconditional love, right? Like this relentless desire for, you know, somebody's best. So there had to be points though in your life when you, you came to a head with your parents and their unconditional love for you uh, wasn't maybe the love you wanted in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then you said like, it's taking you, you know, till now to really realize. So mm -hmm. were there some pivotal moments along the way that either you reflect back on or, or you, you just knew in the moment were those moments where you kind of came to that head and you had to like almost default to the fact that like they loved you so much that they were willing to say something to you that was going to hurt or was hard? Yes, they're very honest. My parents are brutally honest. Um, <laughs> so I take that with my coaching and I say, okay, how can I practice tough love here? Um, my dad is more just of a listener like me and will just listen, listen, listen. And then my mom's the unsolicited advice giver. And we talk about this. Because um, with my clients, I'm very mindful not to give unsolicited advice. But with my fiance, I do it all the time. Um, he'll come home from work. And then as soon as he comes home from work, he's like, I have this problem. I'm going to say, okay, here's A, B, C, D, what you have to do. I'm drafting an email right now. I texted Tim and say, here you go. Send it to um, your coworker. And he's like, I was just venting. I don't need you to fix it. And then I, my parents were visiting. I'm like, my mom just did that for my dad and fixed everything. So I realized a lot of these tricks I get from them. And I say, okay, how can I be more like my dad and just sit here and listen? Mm -hmm. and not give advice and not fix it and ask questions. <laughs> so I came to realize I get some of their traits and okay, which ones do I want to pick up on? Which one do I want to morph a little? So, okay, so that's interesting. So, so sitting there for a second. So um, to, to this human being, this man that you love so much and care so deeply for, you truly want the best for him. And so on one hand, you're giving advice because you feel like, it's good for him to hear that. But at the same time, you know that maybe that's not the best practice, especially when probably this isn't the first time that he said, yo, I just wanted to listen to what yep. you had to say. You know, I just wanted you to listen to me. Yep. And so 
why do you think, and it doesn't necessarily have to be you though, it could be you, like why is it so hard for us to, to, to not throttle back in, in certain environments? And I think maybe it's, it's a lot of times when it's people that are extremely close to us, um, whereas with your clients, it's a lot easier for you to kind of draw that line. We're emotionally invested. I think that's what it comes down to. And that's why it's so important to work with a coach or a therapist or your spiritual advisor, whoever it may be, who's less emotionally invested, because you really want to get to those end results really quick. And you think helping them fix the problem or provide a solution will get you there right away. I know what you have to do to fix this. Here you go. And sometimes that does work in the short term, but then what's going to happen the next time we face this issue at work? One. And two, who says my way to fix it is the best way. When I only know a slice of the scenario, I know the two minute synopsis he gave me when he was at work for eight hours. How do I know best? Who do I think I am to know the best way to solve that when he's been working there eight hours that day, he's been there five years. How do I know what's best? Yeah. So I think it's just our natural instinct because that's how we want to show love. We want to show love by fixing and helping. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I haven't had enough time to process everything that I've taken in, but I just finished uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Talking to Strangers. Have mm. you ever read that book? I haven't. I want to. It, it you know, it, it actually talks a lot about this where <clears throat> a lot of times, um, not the specific scenario, but the closer we get into relationships, the deeper that we have this connection to people, the harder it becomes to, to be truth tellers, to see truth, to hear truth, um, because our emotional investment kind of takes oh, over. Mm -hmm. And he goes all the way to the extreme. Like he talks about like Adolf Hitler, like those that were closest to him would have never believed and did not want to believe that he ever was going to do anybody any harm ever. And the more distant that people got from him, like you read Mein Kampf and it's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, he was an asshole from the get-go, right? Like you should have known that this was coming. Yeah. And he talks about that in, um, in relation to like um, police uh, and citizen interactions that go bad in both directions. And uh, he includes like audio clips from dash cams or interrogation. Uh, the big Brock Turner ca rape case uh, hmm. that happened a couple years back. It is fascinating to hear him analyze that whole process. The Sandra Bland um, hmm. uh, incident on campus. Um, so anyway, uh, it just makes me think. And, and then again, I love the way uh, uh, that you take this approach. And I think that this is something that coach or not, whether you're working with a coach, you are one, or you're just in any kind of interaction, which we all are with humans. Like it is so important that we take a step back and recognize that our emotion can blind us. It can cause us to, to do oh, yeah. things that we otherwise would not. Um, so I love that you, that you take that approach. I just, I feel like in the space that you're in, gosh, it's just got to go so far. Yeah. And something I've learned now is, and my mom now uses this language too when I call her is, are you looking to vent right now? Do you want my advice? What do you need from me? And I think that's really important. So when my partner comes home, I'm like, are you looking to vent? Do you want my advice? What do you want right now? And to be really clear up front. And I think that can be so critical because oftentimes like when I go out with friends, I say I have this problem and then they want to fix it right away because we just want to help people. And I think it's so key to set those boundaries and mm. to assertively communicate what we want from people. And it goes yeah. back to listening. Like we said earlier, people just want to be heard. They want to have a space to be seen and heard and listened to. 
Yeah. It, you know, it's interesting that you say that too, because <clears throat> I don't even think a lot of times people know that that's what they want, right? Like I know when I get approached to coach people, it's like, hey, I have this opportunity that I need you to help me with, or I have a challenge I need to overcome. And as you get into it, all of a sudden, they're just airing kind of their life. You're helping them maybe to keep guardrails on or to, or, or to move them down the right direction. But it is, it's really that, you know, they get to sit and they get to talk and someone objectively is going to listen to them, which they probably don't have. Yeah, I write resumes. And one of the first questions I ask when I do that initial interview, I call it an interrogation. It's a nice interrogation. They have <laughs> coffee or a tea or tequila, whatever they want. But we spend an hour where I get to know them. And the first question is, tell me some adjectives that you would use to describe yourself. And I've had clients where I ask that question, they talk for 40 minutes in response and just go and I was talking to my therapist about this, and I was like, I need some nice ways to interrupt people. And she's like, why do you want to interrupt them? They have never been heard before. No one's listened to them, and they're sharing themselves with you for the first time. And I realized, too, they answer a lot of my other questions on my worksheet. <laughs> when I ask them, they share their career, they share their passions, and people have just never been heard before or listened to. Mm. I think that's so critical in the work that you and I do as coaches is really just to hear people objectively listen to them and give a space for them to share what's in their hearts and their souls and their minds. Yeah. 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 Okay. We're, well, I, I'm sure we'll come back through that as, <clears throat> cause I want to, I want to get an understanding and help people to understand a little bit more about what you do specifically. Uh, because again, like, I think that we throw labels on things. So I hear like, oh, you review resumes. Well, that's never worth a lot of money. Like I can have my mom do that. Yeah. Or like, you know, I lost my job. I just need to go find a recruiter. And there's like 9 million of those everywhere. <laughs> so can you walk me, us through a little bit of like what that entry point typically looks like when people begin to approach you, whether referral or whatever, and then how you begin to figure out like whether or not you, you're going to work with them and set them kind of off in a direction? Beautiful question. So people typically reach out to me because they need help finding a job. A lot of my clients are employed. So a lot of people think, oh, you're a career coach. You work mm. with unemployed people. But 90, 95% of my clients at least are employed. So they're working wow. at a company. They usually like their job and they're just looking for something new. It could be at their mm. company where they want a new role or something else at another company and they just want to take their career to the next level or make some sort of pivot. So when they come to me, they're saying, Kyle, I want a new job. And oftentimes they think they just need a new resume. 99% of people say, Kyle, I need a new resume. So when I meet with them, I figure out, okay, where in the job search are you getting stuck? And oftentimes people think they need a resume. And then I talk to them and they say, I've applied to 100 companies. I've gone 50 interviews and I haven't landed a job. I'm like, it's not your resume. You suck at interviews. Um, <laughs> we need a Brutal work on honesty. It. Yeah. Um, or maybe you're applying to the wrong roles. But usually I'm, there's yeah. something with interviews. So I go through each step in the job search process, the networking, the application, the interview, the recruiter interview, the in-person interview, salary negotiation. So okay, where are you getting stuck? And then I provide solutions based on that. So it could be rewriting their resume on LinkedIn. It could be job search coaching. It could be interview coaching. And then some clients, really, it's, they like their job, but there's some conflict they have with their boss. And they don't even need help with a whole new job search. They just need coaching at their current job to fix that conflict. So we don't even do a job search. I just help them with their current job. Mm. So I really like during that first consultation, figuring out where in their job search or their career, or their life, they're stuck, and then working backwards to fix that. But usually people think it's a resume and we realize 
it's often something else. Or it could be the resume, but more than just that too, because you could have a great resume, but if you go in the room and can't sell what's on paper or what's in your head and get it out into words, we need to work beyond that and really help you define your communication skills. Gosh, I, I, I ignorantly, I really didn't even think very much about <clears throat> the component to like, I have a job and I just want to elevate my career even in the same organization. So working with somebody like you can really help me to do that, especially because you have such clarity. Like I get those clients sometimes and I can help them with themselves, but I think that you having the expertise to understand mm -hmm. it more from like the career perspective, right? Getting clear on the skills, the talent, the desire, the drive and where they want to go. Like, I think that's so important. So um, I, I'm sure that 75% of the population is in some way dissatisfied with one aspect oh, yeah. of their job or another. And maybe that's even a low statistic, yeah. it's sad. Um, and so do you ever get organizations that hire you in to, to do um, education across multiple people kind of on how to, to begin to discover their career path within their organization? Yeah, I've had organizations interested in that, less so. I think oftentimes when they see a career coach, they're afraid that people are gonna mm see me or have this workshop and then go somewhere else. But I've had organizations, especially recently, interested in self-care and mental health, because mm. that's a huge, huge problem, especially in Silicon Valley, where burnout is just happening at record numbers, where people say, okay, I want help with this. We have our, co our employees who are really stressed, working long hours, what do we do here? So I've came in and said, okay, let's assess this and figure out what the real problem is. And looking just at brunch or yoga or Netflix and saying, here's your self-care is not going to fix the problem. We have to go deeper and beyond that. So that's a topic I really love talking about is how do we really address these mental health issues and address this stress and start introducing real solutions. Yeah. I mean, you know, firsthand, some people have heard me say this on the podcast, but maybe for people that We'll hear this on your side of things like so i worked for an organization for a few years from 2015 to 2018 and in 2016 my counterpart uh so i was i was leading the sales side she was leading the customer service side um she stepped into this season of anxiety and depression and this was a straight a student all through college had a master's degree captain of the cheerleading team like the girl could have run the world and we watched her deteriorate, get into some like really bad doctor environments, but she ended up taking her own life. And it, it was, it, it was it, it's nobody's fault. Like, I mean, there, there's a lot of things at play here, but I think that something you said there is so important. Like, and again, with good intention, organizations are putting these programs into place to give people unlimited PTO and to give people wellness programs and free granola in the you know uh, break room and like that's great that's a really kind of you to do but i think that they're missing the key point which mm -hmm. is like these are human beings that need to be objectively listened to and yeah. i don't think that you know that's like the leadership in an organization tries to take that on and i just think that's so unwise because they can't be objective either and yeah. so again i could just see you and people like you being such an asset. And I wish that leadership was not, didn't have such a scarcity mindset as it related to like a career coach. I mean, geez, like if, if you have an employee that is dissatisfied, help them to see that this is the career that they want or help yeah. them go find it. Like what's yeah. wrong with that? 
Yeah, and I've had more companies reach out about career coaching and they're like, this employee is unhappy and they don't realize that sometimes making a career change can be in your own organization. Sometimes this person isn't happy as a project manager and that just means moving them to the marketing department mm -hmm. or moving them to a different role or teaching them to have a conversation with their boss about boundaries. So career coaching isn't just about finding a job, but it's finding satisfaction in your career. So I tell people, I help them find jobs they love. And sometimes that's your own job that you already have and just falling back in love with it. And I don't think people realize that, but more organizations are doing that investing in internal coaches. So it's more fun when I'm able to work with those people who have a job already and really just refining that role and their relationships internally. Yep. Yeah. So in the midst of all of this, and I've heard you, you say like your own therapist a couple of times, but yeah. like, this has got a way really heavy, right? I mean, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death with people at times, um, whether it is just, you know, transition, or maybe they have lost a job, or they end up opening up to, uh, to you about other really difficult things. And so like, how do you personally care for yourself? Uh, at, in, a, in a role that a lot of times, like you don't have a lot of time to be able to do. Yeah, that's something that's so critical. And I'll, there's huge burnout and mental health issues and challenges among providers, people like us who are serving other people. I wrote an article actually for the mental, um, for NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and something that's really mm. key is us taking time to care for ourselves and also seeking out help. I've talked to so many coaches that don't have their own coaches. Mm. And I think that's critical. If you're a coach or you're a service provider, you need to have someone else you can turn to who can support you because you cannot coach yourself. I've chatted with a lot of people and they're like, well, what questions would you ask yourself? How would you coach yourself? I don't know. I have blinders on. I don't know how to coach <laughs> myself. So yeah. it's key that I go to other people. That's been helpful having a therapist. I have several coaches I work with mm. and that's key. And then also taking time for myself and just setting really clear boundaries. Here's the hours I work, here's the hours I don't work. I think that's so important. Yeah, so, okay, so what are some of those boundaries? Like, how, like what are those? How do you set those? Like, how do you keep a healthy life outside of um, everybody wants Kyle to help them with their next best career move? Yeah, one boundary, it sounds really simple, but taking a day off work every week. I'm a recovering workaholic. I used to work, because I was in grad school full time, and I graduated early. And then while I was doing that, I also worked full time and I was doing my side hustle. So I was pulling 100 hour plus weeks. Uh. And I, just, I slept and worked and nothing else. So now I make sure I take off a day every week. I stop working at six o'clock most nights ish sometimes. Um, making sure I call my mom every day, text my dad. He's not a big phone person, but if we get on the phone, that's great. Calling my grandma's often. So. Mm. What's really clear for me, though, is having clear office hours. I work from home, so it's easy to just slip into our guest bedroom where my office is and just start working. So I'm like, no, I'm only going to work till 6 o'clock today and being done. Because you can get into this never-ending cycle of not being enough and saying, I haven't worked enough, I haven't sent enough emails, I haven't messaged enough people, I haven't mm -hmm. read enough resumes, and recognizing boundaries and being clear on those, and then having an accountability system. That's why it's key to have coaches, because I say, okay, I'm not going to work on Saturdays, and then every week having a coach say, did you work on Saturday? And being accountable to someone mm. is really helpful. And not going to it where it's a place of shame Well, I worked on Saturday, but saying, yeah, I worked on Saturday. Let's talk about why I worked on Saturday and how to prevent that from happening again. Yep. And do you give permission to your fiance to speak into that too? Like helping reinforce those or like how does that communication play to allow 
uh, him to feel like he's heard and respected and at the same time, like allow you to kind of do your thing? Yeah, so it's been really helpful to have him be supportive of that. So like our bedroom is an electronic zone. Um, sometimes oh. we'll watch a movie in there, but usually we don't. So he'll be like, why is your laptop in bed? Why are you on phone in bed? <laughs> or he'll be like, it's dinner time, come. And then like in a minute, he's like, it's dinner, come. <laughs> so it's been helpful <laughs> to have that accountability and be on board and support mm-hmm. each other. So I think it's key to have that support system and not go at it alone. Because I have good willpower and I can work a lot of hours. But it's difficult to have that willpower when it comes on to the self-care part and the self-love part. So you need other people to be on the journey with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, I mean, you know, my wife is, you know, very much that way. You know, she's got full permission and freedom to say what she wants and to really push hard on me when she feels like I'm, you know, I'm going too far. And that's been so helpful. And it hasn't always been that way. And a lot of my justification had always been, um, I'm working hard for my family, right? I'm putting in 16 hours today or 12 hours today or whatever, because like I'm going places for my family. I'm earning money for my family. And there's a time and a place for that. I'm not saying that you can't ever do that. But I think that when you're in a relationship, if you're not allowing that person, that partner to help speak into you and to hold you accountable to the things that you've committed to outside of the chaos, mm-hmm. I think that you're just missing out. And you know, the, the, the road to success in that relationship is probably going to be pretty slim. Yeah, I think that's so important. I think you have to get some common goals together too. I think that's so important. A lot of people say, okay, here's my goals, here are your goals, let's go at it. So something we've done recently was just setting our goals for the year and sharing them and then checking in with each mm-hmm. other. Okay, how's this goal going? How's this goal going? And that's been really helpful for each other. Um, yeah. And then having things to look forward, like going to Disneyland every month or two and really saying, okay, here's some things we're looking forward to. Let's make sure we keep clear boundaries so that I'm just not burnt out and tired when we go to Disneyland. I can actually <laughs> have fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you live in NorCal, right? Yes. I live right outside San Francisco. Okay. So, I mean, that's a hike for you. Like you got to fly down here. You got to fight the crowd. So you like must really, really love Disneyland. Yeah, we drive down. So we take the five. What? Um, JV gets off work on Fridays at four. So at five o'clock, we're in the car and then we drive down till midnight, go all day Saturday and then Sunday come back. Or so we, usually we try and do it on a three day weekend. So we'll be coming Valentine's weekend going Saturday, Sunday, drive back Monday. So mm. we try and make a trip out of it every month or two. Our annual passes, um, are expensive. So we're like, this is our only vacation. So anytime we have, we have a vacation coming up, I say, okay, it's Disneyland. It's Disneyland. It's Disneyland. <laughs> and where did that love come from? Like, why, why there? From JV. Um, his family went a lot as a child, um, when he was a child. So now we go. And it's just so fun because it truly is the happiest place on earth. You don't have to worry about everything. There's no traffic because you're just walking around. Everything is perfect when you're there. So it's just so much fun. Hmm. And for me, I work a lot. So it's fun to be able to disconnect from work and really just focus on being present in the moment, having fun, um, and disconnecting from everything. And we just get hmm. a focus on the here and now. So it's so, so enjoyable. And then LA is fun too. So usually before we drive back, we'll go to brunch or go to the art hmm. district or do something fun down there. You sound like my wife. My wife says the same thing. She loves Disneyland. And like, I, I, I guess I go for her. I mean, it's fun when I'm there. Um, I feel like there is a lot of traffic because there's like 9 million people inside a postage stamp. 
But I think the other thing that's nice too is, is, uh, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too far, but like, you know, having an annual pass, like you don't have to have the urgency to like do everything all the time. Like we try to go once a year, we have a family of four, so it's so freaking expensive. And so, you know, it's like, you got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. And so, yeah, I mean, we've been fortunate. We've timed it on some pretty mellow days, but it's good. Yeah. I know there is people traffic because we only go on three day weekends usually. So every time we go is like the busiest days of the year. We're like, of course, like Valentine's Day weekend um, or like anytime it's busy, but it's fun. I love people watching. I'm not, I don't have to ride all the rides. I just love people watching. And other than like San Francisco Union Square, I cannot think of a better place to people watch mm. than Disneyland. Oh, it's just yeah. <laughs> so enjoyable. Um, well, and and you know, uh, you know, to the to this whole part of the conversation, I think what is most helpful for people to hear is. Uh, uh, the ability to, I I call it mindlessly check out, right? So Uh like I even put into the workflows of my day, like I'll either calendar like a one hour block where I literally don't have to do anything or maybe it's lunch by myself. Sometimes it's literally just five minutes. I'm playing this dumb um, golf game on my phone right now that is just consuming me for that five minutes a day. But like, it allows me to just stop thinking, right? Like I don't have to think about my own development, my clients. I love it all, but it's just that, that time to check out. So I love that you said that. And I wish more people would take that prescription because I think it's necessary in whatever rhythm it looks like for you. But like, if you don't get some freedom, man, eventually, I don't care how um, impenetrable you think you are and indestructible, like you're going to blow up. And it's so critical to take time for yourself and to relax. And a lot of my clients are like, oh, I feel guilty. I spent time on Netflix instead of job searching. But you need to practice self-care. One of my clients, her homework was frozen. She had to watch Let It Go and listen to that (laughs) soundtrack. And that was her homework because I said, you're stressed. If I just give you more homework, you're going to be more stressed and go to your interview and stress out and freak out and not perform. So instead, I want you to watch Frozen. And then another client, she had to go to a Broadway show with her mom, that was her homework. Because oftentimes we focus so much on the tactical pieces without tuning into our mind, our body, our soul, and all those things that really matter. Yeah, gosh, it's just so important. I mean, and again, back to what we uh, were talking about earlier, which I think is what people need to hear is like, no matter where you are in your career, I mean, there's a few of you that just absolutely love what you do. You're in your groove. You, you've got everything together and that's great. Like more power to you. But for the majority of you, like I think that um, uh, putting some of the things into practice that Kyle's talking about is super important. But I do think even if it's just a first consult or conversation, consultation um, with somebody like Kyle to, to at least, um, you know, kind of, allow people to to get coordinates on where you are and you know what you're hopeful for moving forward i just think that stuff's so important and just not enough people that i think people are afraid there's some pride involved Mm -hmm. um financially i know it's 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 never cheap but cheap gets you nowhere um so i just think that's stuff that just people need to do yeah and people are afraid to ask for help there's a lot of shame in asking for help and people are afraid of that but we ask for help in so many parts of our lives if our car needs an oil change i 99 percent of people get someone else to change their oil or if we need our teeth clean we go to the dentist so it's not any different with a coach and asking for help with your career and recognizing that can be helpful that someone else is good at this and saying okay you know what i'm not the expert 
and navigating these intricacies of a job search or finding happiness in my career. Let me hire someone else who does this for a living, just like I hire a dentist or a mechanic. Hmm. So we're in 2020, we're recording this, I don't know, about halfway through, three quarters of the way through the month of January, it'll come out in a couple of weeks. But um, as you think to a year ahead, it is always a good fresh start. So is is there anything that you're excited about as you look forward for yourself? Um, Anything maybe new that you're doing that we should all be excited about for you? Something I'm excited about, I'm in a doctorate program right now, so I'm doing a higher education program wow. um, for adult education, and I'm working on a dissertation, so it's on student mental health and how storytelling can help cure stigma. So I love storytelling, I love the topic of mental mm-hmm. health, so that's been fun for me right now, and it bleeds in really well with my work with clients, because mental health is such a big part of our careers and our job searches, mm-hmm. so that's been really fun to do right now, and it's been interesting balancing a dissertation and doctoral level work with running a business and having a life, but it's been fun. Um, I was looking for a hobby and my coach and I were like, I like school. What if I do a doctorate? <laughs> oh my God. And when did you start that? I started that in fall. And then I just last week started my second semester of the program. And that's two years, uh, three years, including Oof. summers. <laughs> But it's been fun. I mean, the books are great. Um, one of them was like, is technology good for education? So it blends so well with mm. the work I'm doing with clients. And it's been a lot of fun and reading like a book on human resources and organizational behavior now. Mm. So it's been a perfect blend with the That's work I awesome. do. And it's just a fun hobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> again, you know, I started by saying this, Kyle, but like, I just, I, I appreciate now and now listening more definitely to the work that you do you know as it relates to career coaching Uh, but i think that you know it's the human behind the work that always Mm -hmm. just blows me away and it's not that i'm like the ultimate judge of character but like you just you seem to be so consistent with who you are um, and i love hearing about the way that you approach your personal life um, in your relationship with your parents, um, with people around you as you invest into, you know, others. I mean, I just think it's so telling of who you are as a human being. And I, I can see why you are as busy as you are and why you're constantly being referred opportunity because, um, I mean, you've just, you're the guy that people would definitely want to work with. So I just, I love that. Thank you. I appreciate those kind of words. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, hopefully you've, you've wowed some of us and they really want to get into contact with you, which I mean, at very least just get connected with you online. But what are some of the ways that people can get connected with you? Yeah. One of the best ways is my website, caffeinatedkyle.com. And then I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. So Kyle Elliott on LinkedIn. I just love that platform. Yeah, no, super fun. Okay, well, we'll be sure to put that information in the show notes. Um, Again, as I said, like just super appreciative of the work that you're doing, the person that you are. Um, It's just, I I love it. So thank you. Thank you for sharing today. So many things, both personally and professionally. I I learned a lot, um, but I think that uh, everybody that listened will take a lot away from it. So thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. And as always, I'm going to make sure to put Kyle's information into the show notes, reach out to him, get connected with him. There's going to be a time in your life when you will 
need to engage with somebody like him and the work that he's doing. So why not start now, get to know him, learn about him. So when that time comes, you're ready and you feel comfortable with him. And then beyond that, just thank you so much for the time that you take to listen every single week, for reaching out to me, for the kind words that you share with me. I'm super appreciative of your time and who you are. That wraps up another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. Peace. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.